Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zones. Gordon just found out during the break that uh, about uh, Austin and Eric Walden's dueling Gordons on the show the other day. Yeah, I, did, I was unaware, but now I am. I know all about it. And we're going to talk to Bowler here momentarily, who also had a dueling Gordon segment with, uh, with Austin. <laughs> this was some time ago, though. Uh, okay. Bowler was, uh, was filling in for you once. I think we were at the warehouse, actually. Uh, but it was, uh, it was hilarious. So we'll talk to Bowler about what's going on with the Jazz. All right, yeah. Coming up here in a second. We're live here at the Family History Library just across from Temple Square, just west across West Temple, and you're welcome to stop and see us. We're uh, hanging out with our friends from the Roots Tech Show, Roots Tech 2020, February 26th through the 29th at the Salt Palace Convention Center. And we do still have a couple of free passes, five free passes to give away if you want to go to Roots Tech We've got it for you here at the Family History Library. If you can't make it down but you still want to go, of course, go to rootstech.org to register and learn more. Use promo code ZONE and save 20 bucks. So if you can't make it down here and grab a free pass, we can still save you some money, and you can uh, still go to the show. I'm not making fun of the guy who just walked in over there, but you see a guy with a beanie cap on? That's an awesome hat. That is. That's, you would wear that, I wouldn't you? I absolutely would wear that 100%. Very stylish. It is very stylish. I want to see Bowler in that. I could see Bowler uh, rocking that hat. Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Lisa's Lisa, pet name any, for me is Bowler. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Of course, he is the television voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend Craig Bowler. Jack, what's up, Bowler? Hey, Jay, Gordo, how are you? Missed you last week. Uh, my apologies. Uh, flying around this uh, NBA world gets a little crazier day by day. All good, Bowler. What? The, how's your beanie game, Bowler? Are you into stocking caps? You like to rock a good beanie every day? Uh, you know what? I got a couple on a snowy day, snow clown or something. But usually, <laughs> I go either Kansas City Chief, Kansas State University, or Utah Jazz ball caps. Well, Bowler, this one has a big old fluffy ball on the top. I don't know if uh, one of those, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. with the with the chin strap too. <laughs> oh no, no way, a chin strap. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that would be in my attire, but, uh, you know, they they come in handy on occasion on a good snowy day, right? I would assume you might be fired up for the Super Bowl. Oh, big time. You know, mm-hmm. I've been trying to find a ticket. It's insane. All the alleged contacts you have, you really know who your friends are uh, when you're <laughs> looking at fifty-five, sixty-five, seven thousand dollars $7,000 in the uh, – and the, the price just keeps rising, you know. Uh, I would love to go. We're in Portland. I got a I've got a hotel room still standing by, but and I can get there. But it's a matter of if I uh, want to walk the street and try to grab a ticket, whether or not it's real or not. I think that's the uh, that's that's what you have to be careful for. Or I may fly to Kansas City. There's going to be uh, some uh, you know a little party uh, someplace called Arrowhead. So. I may just drop in. It's been such a long time. I got to do something, right? Fifty years is long enough. Well, what do you think, Bowler? You think the Chiefs are going to come out on top? Well, look, I got to be honest. Forty uh, ers uh, were very impressive in the NFC Championship game, and uh, Garoppolo uh, is is a is a very good quarterback with a lot of weapons. Run game, defense. Uh, they like to blitz. The Chiefs have their weapons in Kelsey and Tyreek and and Patrick Mahomes. I'm not real solid about the Chiefs' secondary, uh, but the issue with Kansas City as well, they seem to start slow, finish strong. And in the Super Bowl, I just don't think you can afford to have that type of uh, 
uh, let's just say, in balance. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, from my point of view, growing up in Kansas City, I would love to see Mahomes get off strong and just, you know, take it. But it's a, it's going to be a great game. I, you know, the Niners are very talented. Uh, it's been a while since the Montana days. And people forget, man, Montana uh, was with Kansas City at the end of his career and got the Chiefs of the AFC uh, Conference Championship with Marty Schottenheimer and a guy named Marcus Allen as his running back but just couldn't uh, uh, jump over the hill. So hopefully this time at least we're in the big game, and that's the first time since uh, 1970. I'm, I'm excited to see how it turns out. Hopefully, uh, for me, hopefully it's, uh, it's a Kansas City Chief day. Bowler, speaking of not being able to get over the hill, uh, your thoughts on what you saw in last night's game for the Jazz? Well, you know, flying down here uh, and talking, and you know, last night just sitting there, it, it was um, it was almost almost a perfect storm, to be totally honest, Gordon. Um, you know, the emotions of eighty-two games kind of fluctuate high and low, and the Jazz been riding this incredible wave of emotion. And then you hear Westbrook, Harden, and Capella aren't going to play. And then you get players with the Rockets who don't get a chance to start or play that many minutes, go out and just absolutely uh, just take it to the Jazz. And I don't think they're the, 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 uh, the way that the Jazz were constituted last night, we're not prepared for such a small lineup. Um, and also Rudy seemed to be kind of bounced around off his spot they're a very physical team. I got to be honest. I was surprised uh, the speed and also just just the way they took it to the Jazz. And there was a lot of backpedaling. You know, we're in the elevator coming up, and a couple of uh, coaches and uh, you know uh, a couple other you know uh, personnel. Sometimes it's good to get your backside you know knocked around a little bit, wakes you up. And I think maybe that's one of those cases. I don't know if the Jazz were so prepared for a Harden or a Westbrook, knowing Harden hadn't played the night before in Denver and Westbrook was doing quote rest and Capella was out, but still um, one of those games. Uh, but the lesson too is that champions have to be prepared for those. And that's where you kind of, kind of have the debate. Is it one of those games where you just weren't up for after the emotional win against Dallas, but look, these next, well, prior to, to Dallas and then of course Houston and now the next eight prior to the All-Star break, all these games have such an importance of, of where the Jazz are going to end up in the West, whether they have a chance to catch the Lakers or not. But you can't have too many of these games, guys, and there's no question. This is, you know, you, you, this is, this is the, the important part of climbing that hill to the top, uh, to use that analogy again. But uh, I was surprised, but also at the end of the night, you know, look, you hope you just push through it and jump back on the road and play very well on the road, which which is what you've done pretty much throughout the season. But San Antonio we haven't seen yet. Uh, We haven't seen Denver. And then, of course, we go back up to play Lillard and McCollum and the Portland Trailblazers, and they've always been an issue for uh, the Jazz. That backcourt's good. Buller, how do you think the reincorporation of Mike Conley is going? Well, up until last night, I thought uh, better. Uh, There were turnovers uh, plenty, and I think that was the other issue for the Jazz. Uh, that you just can't have this time of year. Uh, the, I think that was the one plus. Uh, even when Mike started to come back those first couple of games, everybody, again, overused word, but still true, connected, uh, same page, whatever whatever cliche you want to use. But I just thought that the team was playing incredibly just sharp, uh, concise, confident, uh, that sixth sense of where everybody's supposed to be, and they hit their spots. 
uh, last night that wasn't the case. And you can't just point the finger to Mike, obviously, but you know he played 20 minutes, which was the most minutes he's had. I think he last night for the first time he was the first guard off Quinn Snyder's bench. Uh, it's going to be something they're going to have to deal with and figure out what's really best for this team because the starting five is it's constituted, Jake. Uh, let's be honest, it's, it's good. Uh, Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert have a have a great uh, sense of uh, the pick and roll and where that ball needs to be on the rim. There was very few rim plays uh, developed last night, which really I thought was part of the reason why the Jazz just, you know, if you miss threes, you don't have many other options, right? There wasn't much of a mid-range game, and Gobert was was limited. So um, it's, it's something that's just going to have to be continued to talk about and work through. Uh, and whether he's the first, the second guard off the line, Moutier hasn't played as well, and I know uh, that's got to be difficult for him because let's be honest, he, he was a big part uh, of what the Jazz were doing when they were when they uh, what won, won ten in a row, uh, and they've uh, they still have an incredible record. Uh, but strangely, strangely in in the West, one loss you can go from second to fourth, and that's what happened last night. Bowler, I've been talking about this for a long time, the, the Jazz's perimeter defense. How, how, how much does that need to be corrected? And do you think this is something that could become a problem as teams study the Jazz more and more? Well, if they hit threes, Gordon, it is. And it's a matter of always, uh, like, you know, in practice, the word is hands up. Show a hand. Put a hand in a face. And many times you see uh, the team lurch, and uh, when they struggle, they come out late. Um, you know, they're looking to try to double some players. Eric Gordon was an absolute beast last night. Uh, they double him to try to force a ball out of his hands, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Austin Rivers uh, gets hot. Um, you know, it was it was kind of the perfect storm last night. But I understand your question. Uh, I know the Jazz – Work on interior defense to try to do the you know help the helper, meaning Gobert. If he's if he's coming out, they've got to help him on the backside. And I, again, it's there's very small, just a small area uh, where the Jazz have to be nearly perfect to the way they play this game. They have to communicate a lot. They have to tell guys where to go, where to switch, uh, to stay or go. In the sense of, are uh, you going to help or not, or go out and, and defend the three point line. So. Last night was one of those nights where the communication seemed not to be so keen, but also you ran across a team that seemed to be totally motivated without a, a Westbrook and Harden who uh, combined for about 52% of their offense. Uh, other guys in this league, Gordo, as you know, man, they play ball for a reason. They're in the NBA for a reason. And last night they went out and I think proved to themselves uh, they belong. And the Jazz were like, wow, yeah, you guys are good. But they didn't expect that. I mean, it's all about Harden, right? It's all about Westbrook in, in Houston. Uh, but last night it was all about Eric Gordon and a guy named P.J. Tucker and, and Austin Rivers and others. Uh, they were just prepared. They were focused in, and they were they were the better team, and they were physical. I, I, that's the one thing that comes to mind, first and foremost, is that they just took it right at the Jazz. And really, the, the, the Jazz were basically in a scramble defense and a lot of man-to-man defense most of the night last night. Bowler, last thing, we really haven't had a chance to talk with you about Kobe and his passing. Uh, your thoughts? Well, I was, you know, I think like everybody, I got a text from Thurl uh, Bailey early Sunday, and he says, have you seen this? It can't be. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I mean, TMZ, no disrespect, but look, 
you know, that's that's more of a tabloid a journalism entertainment site, magazine, TV show, what have you. And I thought, oh, man, that's, that's just totally would be uh, outrageous if this isn't true. And then 10 minutes later, uh, the reports came in. And uh, my first thought, I just sat in my office for a while because, look, as jazz fans and as a jazz broadcaster, I called many of Kobe's games against Utah. And, you know, uh, an assassin, uh, he, he was a competitor. He was much like, he is much like, was much like what LeBron does to every team in the league and what Michael Jordan and how he played the game at such a high level. Stockton was another guy, different level, but still the way he approached the game was that you roll a nickel on the floor, he'd, you know, he'd, he'd beat you to it. Um, just for the fun of it. Um, and, and, you know, my thought was, wow, an iconic player who really made his impact and then trying now at age 41 to impact the world in a different way, learning from hopefully his mistakes as a younger man uh, that he could go out and impact women uh, in, the, in the world of sports because of his four daughters. And I think they really drew him back, Gordon, into the game of basketball. I think he was really going to make a, a quiet exit. And then my thoughts went totally, totally back to April 13th, 2016, Staples Center, when Kobe dropped 60 and Harpering and I are there calling the game. And I finally determined, you know, just how important now that game truly was in the sense of history uh, for the NBA and for the legacy of Kobe Bryant. I've always, I think I told you guys before, I really felt like that was a movie. I felt that way it was directed by Spielberg, um, and that everything that you wrote in that script was the perfect farewell for an iconic player like Kobe Bryant. And we had Jack Nicholson just to my left, not more than four or five feet, you know, looking and smiling the whole night with his Jack voice, you know, going 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 boys. And we're like, good grief, what are, what's going on? And it was just a night, again, that was made in Hollywood. Uh, and Kobe walked off the floor. And the one thing I do remember, he walked off the floor, I thought, with great grace, appreciation, which I was glad to see. And, of course, the Kobe smile. And then I looked up. And uh, Matt and I just shook our heads. I remember going, wow, I hope, take this in for a minute. And I did. I stood up. And I usually don't try. I usually pack my bag and get off the floor pretty quick uh, or any stadium I've ever been in. But this one, the confetti fell. And it was thick. I mean, it just kept coming and coming. Laker, you know, colors, purple and uh, yellows. And I just stood there, took a couple of photos of just the moment. And uh, then I packed up my bag. I put a couple of those confetti pieces in my score court, my score bot, my score card, and the box score. And I still have it today. And I wrote on that. I, look, I pulled it out yesterday, and I actually looked at it. And I just said Kobe Bryant, uh, sixty versus the Jazz, um, April thirteenth, two thousand sixteen. And so those little pieces of confetti and a Kobe sticker that they gave out to everybody, I just put on my box score. And I thought, yeah, that was history. And now I realize he's gone. And, you know, really, uh, it's, it's impacted more people than I thought, too, Gordon. I know this is a long answer question, answer to your question, but I, I think I'm, I'm really fascinated by the impact that he had on so many people in different areas uh, of the economy, the economics of it, uh, whether you're a jazz fan, Laker fan, you know, whoever it may be. He impacted a lot of people, and I think he was really trying to do good 
as he was moving into his uh, early 40s. And I think family was one. The, the family was something he was totally focused on. And he seemed comfortable that he was out of basketball. And a lot of guys have troubles, as you know, Gordon. You worked in L.A. Most players at that level have a hard time accepting you know, retirement. But he seemed to make a really comfortable transition. And, and that's, um, that's kind of the way I thought of him when he walked off the floor that last time. I, I wondered what he was going to do. And he went into businesses and entrepreneurship and also helping uh, the youth of America and giving a voice to women in sports. And uh, it's, it's a sad thing to see him go at such a, uh, at such a young age and a tragic situation, too. Bowler, thank you very much. We appreciate your perspective and your insight as always. Hey, thanks, guys. I wish I could end on a happier note, but uh, we'll see you tomorrow night. Spurs, uh, we'll see what we got against Popovich and hopefully a bounce-back game, right? Yeah, you we'll betcha, Bowler. Thanks. See you soon. Take care. Craig Bowler, Jack, television voice of the Utah Jazz. We'll have more from the Family History Library coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.